Hi, I'm Jennifer Matthewson Spear, and you have joined us today for a Word of Joy podcast. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Do you know that's about the third time Paul's brought that up? So you know this church is kind of having a problem with that. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That means murmuring, complaining, a negative disagreement, quarreling. Do all things without that. That right there is impossible. Do you know that? You can't do it. Unless the Holy Spirit is working in you, doing it through you. Christ in you. Verse 15, that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. When we are living this Christ life, when we are living in dependent responsibility, Paul says in Ephesians that he prays that the Spirit of God would work in our hearts, in the inner man, Ephesians 3.16, that the Spirit would work in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. We've talked about that word dwell already tonight, but it also goes back, and I put this in my book, and you've heard me use, you've heard all of this before. But that word dwell means to be in every nook and cranny of our lives. All of it. To permeate our lives. You see, if you come to my house, and you walk in the front door of my house, you'll walk in and the living room's clean. Nobody ever goes in there. It's clean. (laughs) And you would say, wow, Jennifer keeps a really nice, clean house. And I would go, yes, I do. (laughs) But, you know, it's the same way when we walk into church for an hour on Sunday. People are seeing the cleanest part of us. We come in, for the most part, and we look good. We sound good. We talk nice. Good to see you. I just love you. It's so easy for me to just let you see the good side because you're just in the living room of my life on Sunday morning. But if you come to my house and and you come in the living room and and you think, well, then I may invite you into the kitchen and the den, which is now the puppy playpen. It's a mess, but it's a livable mess. It's my mess, and I can't do anything about it, and I'll let you in. You see, there's messy parts of our lives, too, that maybe our close friends know about, maybe our spouse knows about. They, they see a little bit of our mess in our lives. But heaven forbid, if you come to my house, I will never let you look in my closet <laughs> or my laundry room or under my bed. And when the boys were all home, never, never the bathroom. <laughs> Why? Those are not there for public viewing. I don't want anybody to see that mess. When I had cancer, my friend Trina was taking care of me one day, and I needed something out of the closet. And she said, I'll get it. And I went, oh, no. (laughs) No, no. I mean, I've just been cut open, and, and and I didn't want her to look in my closet. She said, Jennifer, I have to get it. And I went, there it goes, the last frontier of friendship. 
And she saw my dirty, messy closet. For Christ to dwell in us means Christ wants to get in the closet, under the bed, in the laundry room, in the bathroom, all those places that have been closed off to public viewing, the attitudes, the thoughts, the baggage, the stuff that we don't want anybody to know about. Christ wants in there. Why does he want in there? Because he wants to clean it out and fill it up with him. And Ephesians says, so that we overflow with Christ. Paul is saying in this passage, he says, he wants us to prove ourselves to be blameless and innocent. That's not naivety, that's purity. No deceit, no guile. Right in our relationships. Children of God, God's DNA is in us in the form of the Holy Spirit. Above reproach, and look what, look, look what this says, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom, now th- stop right there, twice now he said the same thing. He's saying, as you as a believer, you don't get to live sequestered from the world. You don't get to, to bar yourself off from people. You've got to go live out there, folks. You've got to go to the bank. You, 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 you've got to deal with husbands and children and neighbors and people and church. You, you can't just isolate yourself from the world. You are required to live in it. He said, he said, I want you to live this way out there in a crooked, a perverse society that knows nothing of God. And what are they going to see in you, he says, among whom you appear as lights. In the world. That word is the same word as luminaries, lamps, lights. It's also the word that we use for the stars. You know the stars are out all the time. You know that, right? I mean, y'all went to first grade. (laughs) But we have a tendency to say when the sun goes down and the stars come out, like somebody's kept them in a barn all day or something, when when the stars come out, But they're there all the time. We just can't see them because the light of the sun is so bright. But when the earth turns and the sunlight is no longer visible to us and the sky is dark, that's when we see the stars. Ah, the stars are out. And we see them so brilliantly against the blackness of the sky. That's exactly what Paul is saying. When you are in the blackness of society, the darkness, the depravity, the immorality, the godlessness of society, if you are living, yielded to the Holy Spirit, responding to him, obedient to him, working out this salvation and obedience out there, you appear as stars against the blackness of society. You shine. Jesus said, When you abide, you have fruit. Paul says you are light. Your examples. It is a high and holy calling. It is a responsibility that we have as believers to abide, to let Christ abide in every nook and cranny of our lives, to fill us up with Jesus, as Paul says in Ephesians, so that we overflow. It means you just slosh out Jesus on everybody. You can't help him. You're so full of Jesus, it just sloshes over. And Paul says, I'm an example too. Look what he says in verse 16. 
You're holding fast the word of life. You're, you're living by God's truth so that in the day of Christ I may have cause to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. What is he saying? He's saying when Jesus comes back to the day of Christ, I'm going to be able to look at you. He's talking to this church in Philippi. And you're still going to be these shining stars, these examples of people who have yielded and surrendered to Christ. And I will know that I have not served and lived and ministered in vain. It's all been worth it, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering in verse 17. What does he mean by that? A drink offering is an illustration that comes from Numbers chapter 15 when the children of Israel were going into the land of Canaan. God gave them some very specific kinds of offerings to offer as a soothing aroma to the Lord. These were not sacrifices of, of blood. They were not sacrifices to cover sin. They were just thanks, a, a thankful heart. And it was a sweet aroma to the Lord. And one of those offerings was uh, an amount of wine. And they would take that amount of wine and they were to pour it out, a drink offering. And very symbolically, the aroma of that poured out wine was pleasing to the Lord because it was as if they were pouring their own hearts out to God in thanks. And Paul is saying, if I am being poured out, if my life is being poured out as a drink offering, it is a sweet aroma to God, and it is bringing great joy to me if I am being poured out for your sakes. If I'm going to lose my life in all of this, and yet you are responding and living, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. Paul is an example. But then Paul gives us two other examples, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy was a, a young worker, Paul's son in the faith. He later becomes the pastor at Ephesus in the books of 1 and 2 Timothy are written to him. 2 Timothy is probably the last book that Paul ever wrote, the last letter that he ever wrote before he was killed in Rome. He writes to Timothy, but there's an unusual thing about Timothy. He's very loyal. He, he, he loved Paul. He was willing to do whatever Paul needed for him to do. He served the Lord. But guess what? Timothy Timothy's just a normal guy. He didn't write any of the books of the Bible. No miracles are attributed to him. No great works of the faith are ever attributed to him. He's just a normal guy. So is Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is one from Philippi who was taking an offering to Paul in Rome. We talked about this on the first week. And I looked at the map this time to see how far it was from Philippi to Rome. Oh, my goodness. It's a long way. We would fly. We would never drive even. We, we can't drive. You've got to go over water. But in the ancient world, to think how long it took him. And indeed, he got sick in the process. He almost died, this passage of Scripture says. And Paul is sending him back to Philippi with this letter. But guess what? Epaphroditus is not like the, this great pastor of a great church. There's no miracles. He didn't do any miracles. We don't know anything about his ministry. He didn't write anything in the Bible. He's a regular guy. What does that say to us? It says this Christ life 
this dependent responsibility, this Christ in us, this Holy Spirit in us that we are responding to, we are listening to, we are living out, is for regular people. This life isn't just for the pastor, for the missionary, for the Bible teacher, the Sunday school teacher, for the person that's been a Christian forever and ever and knows all the scripture. It's for every believer. It's not above you or beyond you. It is for you. That's good news. This is not out of your reach. This is not impossible for you. Why? Because Christ lives in you. God's DNA is in you. Equipping us. Giving us the desire to live for him. We hear his voice, we recognize it, we respond to it, and we are empowered to do it. And as we do that over and over because we are abiding daily, it just becomes who we are. It just becomes part of us. It becomes a natural outflow so that when we sin, it is so unnatural, we are quick to repent of it. It's Christ in us. Several years ago when I had just married Alan and we were living in southern Illinois and my son Micah was in middle school. He was 10 when his daddy died. And I was at the middle school one day picking him up after school. And he was probably 12, maybe 13 at the time. Dana was a really tall, big, lanky guy. He, he held his left arm a certain way. He had a certain gait, the way he walked. I mean, you all know, if you're, you've been married, you, you know the way your husband walks. He'd been gone for at least two years. That day I was sitting there in the car, and I saw Micah come out, and he walked across the schoolyard toward me and took my breath away. He walks just like his daddy. See, Micah wasn't impersonating his daddy. He wasn't mimicking his daddy. He didn't have this consciousness to say, I think I'm going to surprise my mom and walk like my daddy did today as I'm walking. He didn't have any thought of that. He just walked like his daddy. The same gait. Held his arm. Held his left arm the same way. Did he remember that? No. Why did he walk like that? Because his daddy's DNA is in him. He has the same bone structure as his daddy. He's built just like his daddy. And so he walked like his daddy. We have God's DNA in us. It's the Holy Spirit. And it is the most natural thing in the world for us to walk like Jesus. Not because we're impersonating him. Not because we're trying real hard. Not because we're doing better. But because his DNA is in us. We're yielded to that. We're obedient. To that, and we just, we just look like him. And we walk like him. This Christian life is impossible. You remember this? It's one of those times where it comes up again. 
take it to church. He still can't do anything. Feed it real good. Doesn't matter. Glove can't do anything. Take the therapy. Counseling. It's not going to matter. Because, see, this doesn't have any life in it. It can't do anything on its own. But you put the hand in it. And the glove can do anything the hand wants it to do. This is us. This is us without Christ. We can't do this. It's impossible. We can't do anything God tells us to do. It's impossible. But when Christ is in us, that Holy Spirit, that's the life. That's the energy. That's the dynamic. And we can do anything the hand can do. We can do anything that the hand instructs us to do. We can do anything the Holy Spirit tells us to do. Because he's the energy, he's the power, he's the life. It's Christ in me. It's Christ in you. What Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. It's so simple. Don't make it hard. Don't make it so deep that we miss it. Go back to the very basics, spending time, reading scripture, talk to so many young moms especially I'm just so burnt out I'm so tired I, I, everything's wrong in my life I, are you spending time with the Lord no I don't have time it's a real basic place to start it might be 2 o'clock in the morning Courtney Courtney has four preschoolers that's why I'm saying that to Courtney <laughs> God will give you time just ask him for it look for it don't make it hard. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the simplicity of your word. The, you don't make this for just preachers and theologians. You just make it for us regular people, Lord. We can live to please you as we submit and surrender and listen for your voice and abide with you. And in you. I can do all things through Christ. Not by myself, but through Christ. Who is the strength and the power source of my life. Father, help us to live in that. Knowing that we have your DNA in us. And we can walk like Jesus. Lord, we love you. We're your children. I'm so thankful for your patience in my life, Lord your grace and your mercy when I have fallen short. You love me still and you encourage me to continue on the next day and the next. Father, continue to work in us as you have promised to will and to do your good pleasure as we respond to work it out in our daily lives. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for this Word of Joy podcast. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Word of Joy or you would like to know more about the resources that are available, just take a look at our website at www.wordofjoy.org.